Hey, somebody priced at 620, which I didn't think we'd get multiple bids, but good news we did, and they got 650. So they end up getting more than a house that was larger that didn't sell on the market at 640 the week before. Once I have more than one offer, boy, that puts us in a really strong position. San Luis Obispo is a small market. We have way more people coming here than we have homes being built. So the demand is always strong and the supply is generally somewhat limited. If you're ready to sell in San Luis Obispo County, it seems like it's always a good time to do so based on the history of the market. In this episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze, Hal goes over several options sellers have to make the transition from selling your house to finding a replacement very easy. Sellers, Uncle Hal wants you to have peace of mind when it comes to selling your home in what is still a seller's market. Now your host, James Bueno. All right, gentlemen, here we go. Another Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Mr. House Lazy. Guess what? How's with us? How are you doing, sir? I'm great, James. Awesome. JT, you're here. I'm, Say, Let's hear uh, your voice. I'm just happy to be here. You are. You're too far from your microphone, but that's fine. I'm happier to be here. There we go. Oh, my. Yes, thank you. And, you know, the guy, the silver-haired guy... Is it silver, JP? He's got like salt and pepper here, hair, right? He's, he's not here. To we do. can say that because he's not here. Yeah, it's so mostly brown. Yeah. Is it mostly brown? I uh, think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. it depends on how much stuff he puts on it in the morning. True, true. He is he is a little yeah. greasy-haired kind of guy. Everyone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <No>. ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Edit. He's Edit. not here. Edit. He's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, JT. Yeah. Say it. It's just a little gray. We got to do one of these when uh, James isn't around. I know. Let's see what it's, people say. I'm going to make sure I'm here all the <laughs> yeah. time. And then also with us, Mr. Kingman, how are you, sir? Doing good. And J. Pete, you know, he better listen to this because we're going to brag on him a little bit. Um, be here sure. or be talked to. Yeah. yeah. JT, how, J, how's that feel? Jay, the greasy-haired dude. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not greasy. I mean, it's, it's product of some sort. I, I don't know. Uh, today, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It seems like things are changing a little bit. We're going to uh, talk about uh, selling your home, correct, or sellers? We still don't have that many homes for sale, so it's like, gosh, what do I do first? Do I sell my house? Do I buy a house? You know, so we're going to kind of just dive into it and... John is more really excited about this. I can well, tell. Well, I heard you say a couple of weeks ago on uh, one of our podcasts, you were imitating Uncle Sam and going, I want you. So, Oh, yeah. For <laughs> yeah, people to I sell. Mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, is this a good time to be selling? For a reasonably fair price property, it's going to go fast in, in relation to what we're used to. People are worried that things have just gotten way down or it's hard to sell. You know, a hard sale now is 30 to 45 days. I mean, that's nothing if you think about it, right? And, right. and in most cases, it could be faster, and the prices are really good in relation to what we've seen, you know, in the last five, six, seven years. It's 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 really a strong time to be a property yeah. seller. It's going to take thirty or forty-five days to go into escrow. Yeah, right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, you've been in this business for thirty years. What what were you used to? Three to four months. But I've always told people that you know you could have six months to sell your home, and you're probably going to get your best price in your first thirty to sixty days. Right now, you'll probably get your best price in the first week or two. There's not that much for sale, and, and that's what people see. And the longer you wait on the market, oftentimes, as a seller, means you may not get as much money. There's been a lot of studies about that. So pricing it right in the beginning is super helpful. And those prices are still really attractive. We, we sold the house with your team, and I liked what you guys did. What you did is uh, we had, we had uh, one of your buyer's agents who was working directly with us, you, I didn't even know you at the time, somebody else on the, on the, on the team, maybe another uh, uh, buyer's agent. And... We presented all the information for the house, and you guys each gave an idea of what the good price would be. Right. And then you let us pick. 
yeah. <laughs> which was a fun which was a fun practice yeah and um yours was the lowest of of, of the three mm-hmm. we went with the one in the middle right of course and and in hindsight i think we would have had a better bidding war had we gone with yours but that is a very important component in hindsight knowing okay um maybe just Going shooting in the middle was probably not a bad thing. Talk about a little bit about um, what the process is in determining that price when working with your team. That, that, that is probably the most important question people want to know. Science or art? What I normally do is try to get the most comparable sales uh, for properties that I'm about to sell. And we look at pending listings. And now, with a little slowdown in the market, we look at for sales. Because here's what I tell people. You're looking at a house that's been on the market 45 days. Your house is worth, you know, that house is at 750, and it's been on the market. And they started at 775. Now they're at 750. It's 45 days on the market. It hasn't sold. So what I tell my clients is, look, these people have done the market research for you, assuming they're comparable houses. The market has said no to that price. Okay, so we kind of know it's probably not going to sell for 750. If we put it there, then the other people are going to go. Well, now we're competing with that, and we might adjust our price. So then I might have a pending sale that's 720 and I'll talk to the listing agent and go, Hey, how did you do? Well, we came down a little bit because we needed to do some discounting. So seven ish. Yeah, about seven. So, okay. That seems to be where the mark is right now. So then I'll go, it looks like seven. And then we maybe had one at 675 that maybe started at 620 wasn't nearly as good a house. And it sold for within $20,000 of the other one because they were more aggressive and they got more activity on the house. So I might say, okay, it's somewhere between 700 and 680. At 680, you'll probably get more offers. You'll get faster offers, and you might have competition. And the example I used last week was, hey, somebody priced at 620, which I didn't think we'd get multiple bids, but good news, we did, and they got 650. So they ended up getting more than a house that was larger that didn't sell on the market at 640 the week before. So they got more. So it's counterintuitive. Right. Right? That's why we're in the the middle. Well, and it's scary. I mean, oh, my gosh, if I put it at 680, what if I only get 680? Right. And that's what we and that's that's what scary. We, we arrived at when we watched people come and look at the house. We would you know like shuffle the kids outside and then park down the street and look around the corner and see the people that were looking at the house that we lived in and right. all that. And then they would come in and then they would leave and we'd expect for offer because when we sold our house, it was during the new hotness period of everybody was just starting to get comfortable right. with the whole COVID thing. It was in July of 2020 when we put it on the market. Right. So it was all that like, okay, everybody was just getting ready to get back in yeah. to doing business as normal or as normal as you could do at that time. We had it on the market for 489. You suggested 479. And then somebody else, uh, the other person on the team did 499. I was like, okay, we gotta go over the middle. That's where it's at. And we watched 10 to 12 people come and go and not make an offer on the house. And we thought it was a pretty good house, fair, yeah. fairly priced in a, in a great neighborhood. And we got, we ended up with two offers. Right. I think had it been a little less, a little bit less than some of our neighbors' houses were, we were like going for, okay, let's go for exactly what our neighbors are offering for theirs. Sure. And ours was probably in better condition. And of course I'm biased because it was our house and we worked hard on it. I think if we would have lowered the price a little bit, it's that whole fear of, you know, losing mm-hmm. the deal yep. uh, that, that came into play that never came to fruition because we played it safe with that, with that 489. I, I know that we would have got more offers had we yeah. just came $10,000 down more at yeah. that time. 
Right. Now, now it's a different, I mean. Right. And now it's all in the wash because you sold the house right. and it didn't change your life really. No, you got another no, house. Not at, right? all, so, not at all. So yeah, we, we try to keep it in a range where we think it's going to be safe and some people go way above and that can really be a mistake. It's like doctor says, you've got this cancer and they go, I think I'll wait for six months for the treatment and just see how it goes like this. Well, that, that's a big risk. you know. So if you're the physician, you got to say, well, here's the downside to that. And there's a downside to overpricing a property. The longer it sits, the less likely you are to get your price. In in eighteen, I I sold a house, and of course Hal handled it for me, and and we're sitting at the table talking about pricing the house, Jeff, kind of like you were, and and the greedy son of a gun that I am, I said let's let's price this thing at eight sixty nine, and Hal goes no, I think you're gonna have a better chance at eight forty nine, and if and if it's worth eight sixty nine, and we price it at eight mm-hmm. eight forty nine, you'll get eight sixty nine. Well, we priced it at eight forty nine. You know what we got? Eight forty nine. So he knew exactly what the house was worth in that market. Uh, and that was twenty eighteen. Yeah, and I don't know if that was science yeah. or art, but uh, you were right on target. Yeah, I mean, our, our job is to interpret what's coming in, right? What's happening in the marketplace with other showings? We take as much information we can. We put it to the house that's about to go on the market, and every price is a test the market price because how does the market respond? Are we getting a lot of showings but no offers? That means. The marketing's working. People are showing up, but they're going. Mm, it doesn't work for me, right? And but if we get one offer or two or three, then then we see the difference. I've just sold a house recently, a couple of them, and they were on the market for a little while, and then we found out there's some hidden expenses between either like uh, plumbing issues or high fire hazard zone, which is a new deal. So now the insurance is way more, so the buyers kind of step back. So we reset the price, made it more aggressive, and then I had three offers. Um, on a property that had been on the market, but we set it at the right price. It can happen in a number of ways. If you're selling a house and you went all in and you're like, okay, I'm going to overprice this, and then you, it does sit for two months and you don't get many people sniffing around it, how do you approach getting that house back on the market? So what I tell my buyer's agents that, that work with mostly with buyers, I work mostly with sellers, we all do everything, but I would say, hey, every time there's a price reduction on an existing property, you got a buyer that's looking, you need to call them like that's a brand new listing, because it is. So it just went from a million seven seventy five to a million six ninety nine. That is a brand new listing. Mm-hmm. Now you got people looking at that price range for it. So it's a reset. We let everybody know that the challenge for the seller becomes it's a little bit different than when it's new on the market. So normally pricing it right in the beginning is it's tricky. But it makes all the difference. And, you know, I'm not blowing my own horn, but I've done this a long enough time to know once I have more than one offer, boy, that puts us in a really strong position. If you have to do a price reduction, it means maybe we missed the mark going in. Yeah. Right? It, it can happen. And, and so if, if you've got a house at 1775 and you drop the price to 1699, what's the public going to think? First question. People always worry about that. Oh, you know, it makes me look desperate. Well, honestly, if, if you're a seller, do you want a buyer that is motivated that wants to buy a house? Or do you want someone that's, eh, I'll take it or leave it? No, you want somebody who's motivated, right? Absolutely. So the buying public looks at that and goes, oh, okay, well, they're serious about selling their house. You're not giving it away. We'll never under, you know, it's not going to be undersold. You're not going to lose money, mm-hmm. right? You're just adjusting to what the market says about the house because of insurance costs or yard or deferred maintenance or whatever it is, or another competing listing comes on. You set it perfectly right at a million six, a uh, million seven seventy five in that example. And the neighbor has the exact same house and they go, well, I want to sell next. I'm going to go to a million six ninety nine. You know, guess who's going to sell next if they're virtually the same house. That's also the problem with sitting on the market because other smart sellers will look at that house not selling. And if you wait too long and somebody else lists, you're probably now going to get at the back of the line. 
you know, this conversation reminds me of a misconception that I think is out there that the public either believes that the seller sets the value on the property or the real estate agent sets the value in the property. Who, who determines the value of the property? Whoever buys it. Yeah, without a buyer, there's, yeah, there's no price. Right. So, if nobody buys it, guess what? So, so in most cases, the buyer's the one sure. that's setting the value of the property. I heard uh, one of your friends at Keller Williams say a few months ago, the person who values the property the most is the one who generally ends up with the property. Now, sometimes that's the seller. Right. Because they value it more than any buyer does, so they end up keeping it because yeah. they can't sell it for the price they think it's worth. I got to go back to the the old joke we use in real estate. It's not very fun for a seller, but you know your house has been on the market for two months at a million seven seventy five. Congratulations, you're the highest bidder on your home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So uh, one of the things that's that's kind of happened over the last few years in the market conditions that we've been experiencing is this: I want to sell my house. But I'm afraid to sell it because I don't want to be homeless, because there's not much to choose from, especially if, I, if I'm staying yeah. here in this area and I, I just want to downsize a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know, I know, I know you have some options to help people na- navigate through that process, but maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the first questions I'll ask somebody that says, hey, I'm moving to Arizona or I'm moving from, you know, Arroyo Grande to Paso Robles, whatever it is. It's like, okay. What is your plan for your move? Are we going to buy? Are we going to rent? Are we got people to stay with? Do I have another home already? So, so really, am I going to buy before I sell is the first question you have to answer. And some people are in that position. That, that's always nice. And sometimes they don't think they can because they have a lot of equity in their house, but sometimes that could be simple things. And we get them with a lender. Hey, home equity line, bridge loans. Um, there are even companies that we deal with that will guarantee you an offer on your house. So you can take that full equity or a good portion of the equity and then sell your home later. So How does that work? They'll come out and they'll appraise the property and they'll, they'll basically say, okay, your house is worth for round numbers a million bucks. We will make you an offer of $900,000. You tell us when you want that offer done and they'll close the escrow. The buyer then takes, the seller takes that 900000 and whatever equity they have, they buy the next house. So now I have the cash to, to, now, to now, put down or pay yeah. cash for my next house. Now the company works with you. And they say, okay, we'll get it, you're out, we'll get it ready for sale, we'll put it on the market. And if they sell it for 900, okay, well, that's what it was worth. If they sell it for a million one, then the seller gets that much of the difference. Now they charge a fee for that, one to 2% depending. So there's a fee for that. That fee sounds like it might be worth it to stay out of the homeless scenario. It's a, a newer option, and there's home purchase guarantees, but that's one of them. So we, we deal with a company that does that. If well, I, I, I think that's got to be a great option. If you, find, if, if you f- happen to find the house immediately that you're like, that, that's the house that I want to live in. Sure. Um, we need to be aggressive on getting it because, like you guys have stressed on this podcast many, many times, inventory and you know a, bo- a house that checks all the boxes for you, in order to make that quick movement, that might be... A, a really good option to explore. Yeah, can we go back to that? I, I want to make sure I understand that. How? So we, I go into an agreement with it's a third party vendor. Is right. that what I'm yeah. gathering? Okay, I go into an agreement with that third party vendor, and lo and behold, um, you know, I'm in that agreement for thirty, sixty, ninety days, and I can't find the house I want to live in next. Mm-hmm. Did, did I just? Did I lose my house? No. The, the, nothing happens unless you initiate that sale of your home. Oh, so you, so we have an agreement, but I have to trigger the agreement for the ball to start Absolutely. rolling. Okay. Yeah. So I never give up possession. I never give up title until I have 
located and bought my next house. Yeah. A, okay. A parallel would be I'm going to get a home equity line on my million dollar house. I owe 600. I borrow 200 against it. I have a line of credit. That line of credit doesn't cost me anything unless I use it. Right. Right. Then I go, oh, I got my 200. I borrow it against my first house. I go buy the next one. Then I put my house on the market and we pay it all off and away we go. So my risk there is, is that I get close to what I need to get to make the second, you know, the second purchase work and how fast that happens. So I'm not paying too with, worried. With the guaranteed sale of your home with yeah. that vendor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So can we touch on just another option? Sure. Like you said, that's one. So what, what right. would be another common one? You know, depending on how confident you are, you, you can try to purchase a house and sell your house pretty quickly, but that's tricky. This dilemma we're talking about is not new to this market. I think I told you guys, I don't know, six, seven months ago about a house that I sold for someone who bought it in 1968. And I go to the owner, why'd you buy the house? It was one of two for sale, two. So San Luis Obispo is a small market. We have way more people coming here than we have homes being built. So the demand is always strong and the supply is generally somewhat limited. This is not a new scenario. The, the other one is to take a little bit of a risk. I mean, people might go, I can't afford to buy without selling. I need the equity out of this house. So you put your house up for sale and you got a couple options. You get a hot buyer and they say, I'm gonna pay you your price or a phenomenal price, but I want you out in 30 days. Mm. That's what nobody wants. That's what John Turner's not gonna do. Go rent a house, you know, go get a vacation or whatever, put your stuff in storage. That's, that's a hassle. Now you're homeless, but you know, you'll find a place. The other is to have a longer escrow, which is a little bit risky because the sale might not go through, okay? Or you might not find it the house you want the time you want, like a 60 to 90 day escrow. And, and more common and more frequently is, is just a rent back. So I agree to sell you my house, James, a million bucks. Hey, we're gonna close escrow. I have the right, this is the way we contract it, to rent it up for 90 days, but I can move out with two weeks notice. So you just get a prorated rent. So I'm staying in my house. I got my cash. I can be a buyer. So I had a 30-day escrow plus another 90 days. I give me four months. For a lot of people, that's enough. So, so that's another way to approach it. So there's many, many ways to do so. But with certain financing, you know, options, you know, if you can buy first, that's great. But there's things like getting a bridge loan. There's home equity lines, that sort of thing. I heard somebody talking the other day, and I didn't quite understand it, that a a, a seller can sell with a contingency i think it contingencies for buyers oh, that's a great question john you come to my house you love it um you say a million bucks is fair you write me an offer and the seller says that's great we want to sell it to you but unless we can find another house we don't have to go through with it okay it's contingent on us finding something so the the in this case the buyers kind of out there going I, I i've got a i've got a deal Maybe. Yeah, you got the first right, and you chose, let me go help you find a house because I want to buy your house. Yeah. But yeah, right. So, so that so can the, happen. The risk there is more with the buyer than the seller, it sounds like. Right, and we usually put a timeline on it, right? So if, if again, you have a seller that has to sell to buy, they have to, then the problem becomes if the buyer, how committed is a buyer going to be? Like, is a buyer going to pay for a home inspection, a termite inspection, and get an appraisal done so they can be clear to close the house? And then the seller goes, uh, we didn't find a seven-bedroom house on six acres for $350,000. It didn't work out. I'm sorry you had to pay for all those things. What's an appraisal cost today? Seven-ish. And an inspection? 500 So, so what you're asking me to do is spend 1200 good dollars that I worked hard to earn yeah. for a maybe. Just if you bail out as the seller and you don't find something, just promise to reimburse them so they're out nothing, you know, and okay. the only person who gets hurt is the seller a little bit by doing that. So that, that's another way. Not as common. I would say a rent back is much more common. Rent back time periods. What's the longest one you've ever seen? A year. 
Okay, so I could sell my house, have a deal to rent it back for a year, but I could get out get out of it in two weeks is what you're... So, so let's go back to the hot, hot, hot market, right? When everything was selling, you had multiple offers. I would tell my clients, I go, listen, I know you don't have anywhere to go. This dilemma may happen. You may list your house for a million bucks and somebody says, I'll give you a million two, okay? And I'll let you rent back for six months. Yay, you know? And somebody else says, I'll give you a million three fifty, but I want you out in 30 days. Look at $150,000 difference. I say, could you go rent the Taj Mahal or something for fifteen thousand a month or a night or whatever? Again, I mean, get put your stuff in storage, go on vacation for an extra hundred and fifty. You know, it just depends. So, so every offer is a little bit different, and you have to value the time, the inconvenience versus the money. I think you just did a commercial for why someone <laughs> needs a, a a good savvy real estate. Agent. <laughs> now you called this concept a rent back, but some of what I heard, I didn't hear about rent. Is there rent in a rent back? Yeah. And, and again, those are all conditions of a sale. Have so, you ever seen them where the people get to stay in the house for 90 days for free? Yeah. Oh. It, it's all negotiated right in the contract. Right. In a back. seller's market, we had lots of free rent backs. On a million-dollar house, if it's the house you want and it has everything you need, would you have paid a million seventy million seven thousand five hundred? You know, just over a million bucks for yeah, it? I guess. It, so, That's so you the just, thinking behind it. You just put it in context, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, there's one other option, and... and um, this isn't as common. And if you can't afford the next house without selling yours, sometimes you just need to marry the right person. It solves all the problems. <laughs> Regardless of what you hear, what you read, what you see on the, of course you believe everything you read on the internet, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a great time to be a seller. It, it really is. Yeah. It, it's still a very, very good seller's market. Yeah. We've, been, we've been talking about, you know, it's always a great time to sell your house. But you know what? It, it feels different right now. How is, is that? Is that wrong? Like, it feels like it's getting busier. We're getting more leads. More people are coming out. We've got more buyers. I, I really do feel like it's starting to, to change. It's getting busier. People just don't like the unknown. You know, we got an election coming up. It's, it's, hypothetically, when you have an election, people slow down because what's going to happen after this? We had, we had COVID. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Who would have ever thought the whole economy would be shut down? And then within five or six months, people are out, and then they're just dropping over each other for real. I never would have guessed that. And then you had rates go from 3 to 6%. It's like, whoa, 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 COVID. Feels like a COVID again. And now it's like, okay, well, we had the softening in the market. We've had some price dips in certain areas. And now here we're going and buyers are coming back out going, okay, you know, I don't have 3%. I got 6%, but it's not 8%. We're very resourceful and we adjust to our conditions. As always, Hal, you know, if you want to take advantage of Hal's experience, uh, they can give you a call and, and, and email you. So how do, how do we do that? Uh, 805-781-3750 to call the office or Hal at TeamSwayze.com yeah. as an email. Uncle Hal wants you. All you listeners, thank you so much. And then take advantage of Hal's experience. He'd, he'd love to go and help you out and... You can get a hold of us anyway. Just look us look us up online. Great reviews. House house pretty awesome. Two hundred and fifty reviews the last two years. All of them five stars. All of them five stars. Yeah, don't forget to review the podcast too if you're listening to this thing. Oh, careful rate, with that. Rate and review the podcast. Oh, oh, yeah, yes, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. on our website. Not on our website. No, yeah. no, but if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's, and, and that's Jeff, crucial on making Jeff the podcast successful. This is one of the top one hundred podcasts. Business, it's bounced around business podcasts yes. in America today. Yes, yes. Wow. so so yeah, thanks so, for your hard work on that. So Jeff. yeah, thank you everybody. Thank you Jeff. Thank you Howard. Thank you JT. Um, as always, we appreciate everybody that listens, Hal, JT, Jeff, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Housewazy podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information 
on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on HouseSwayze.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. HouseSwayze.com, that's H-A-L-S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750. House Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker. DRE number 0111911. The Slow County Real Estate with Hal Swayze podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.